Okay, we are in lesson two today. Uh, we're going to start right off the bat in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And so as we begin this, I want to tell you, remember I told you last week about uh, letters are written for a specific occasion, and typically what you're going to find with all of the, most of the letters in the New Testament is they have a similar format, although there are some letters which are circular in nature that don't. And a letter back then was written, like if you sent the letter, it's almost kind of like a heading on an email. You, you kind of said who it was from, so Paul will say who's writing him and who's with him when he's writing. He'll say who it's to. And then the next thing that will happen is, is and this was typical for Greek letters back then, is they would have a time of thanksgiving or a time of, or a prayer of thanksgiving, okay? So there would always be some sort of thanks, whether it was a secular letter or a letter like this between Christians. There would always, you would always start off, and that may be a cultural thing, you would always start off talking about how great they are, okay? But in Christian letters, what they do is they start off with a prayer of thanksgiving, okay? Then they would go to the body, and then there would be a closing. So today we're going to kind of look at that first part, the introduction and this prayer of thanksgiving, and hopefully we can learn some things about this for ourselves. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at first the first ten verses of First Thessalonians. Verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know, what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turn to God from idols and serve the living and true God, to wait and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. So let's take a look at that. First of all, verse 1, we're going to see the greeting. Verse 1 seems like a very long verse, but it's actually the greeting of the letter. So the writer identifies himself as... The Apostle Paul with his companions, Timothy and Silvanus. 
Now, you're probably wondering, okay, I understand who Timothy is. That's kind of like Paul's spiritual son. Who in the world is Silvanus? You ever wondered that? Okay. Well, let me explain to you who Silvanus is. Silvanus is believed to be, are you ready for this? This is his other name, Silas. You remember Paul and Silas? They went to the Philippian jail together. They were on the second missionary. Paul took Silas on the missionary journey through Greece, Philippi, into Thessalonica. So it is assumed to be Silas here. Now, why is he called Silvanus here? Well, possibly, remember now, Silas would be a Jew. So one name is a Hebrew name. So Silas is probably the Hebrew name. Silvanus is probably his what? Greek name. Okay? Greek name. So, and, and there are cultures today that still do that. Like I remember being in Kenya, East Africa, when I was in school years ago, when I spent the summer there, and you would meet Africans from different tribal groups, and you would ask them their name, and they would have a very long name, and part of the name was they would have a Christian name, okay, a Christian name, then they would have their African name, okay, do you understand, and I, you know, I won't be able to pronounce some of their, but you could, so whenever I referred to them, I referred to them by their what? Their Christian name. Do you understand what I'm saying? Similar thing here. So the writer identifies himself as Paul. He's with his companions, Timothy and Silvanus, who is possibly Silas. Now here's who he's writing to. He addresses the letter to the church in Thessalonica, in God the Father and Jesus Christ. Okay, so stop for a moment. Anybody see something significant here about this title? Probably not, because we read over it many times, we don't really grasp the greater truth. So let me give you the truth. If somebody were to ask you, what church do you go to? Sam, what church do you go to? Kerwinsville Christian Church. And if, how about if you added into that, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? Would, it, would people look at you kind of like, what are you talking about? Okay? It's actually a theological truth here. He starts off, Paul's going to start off talking to them that they are a church in Thessalonica, of Thessalonica, in God the Father and Jesus Christ. Because here's the reality. It's not the believers. The church is who? The body of Christ. Do you understand? So this, the, the people who are the Kerwinsville Christian Church, let me just go ahead and tell you, we're not the building. We're not the incorporation with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? We, we do that because of legal reasons, and we do that because we have to have a place to meet. But the church is who? The people who are saved, and when you are saved, you are saved into, theologically, into who? The body of Christ. You are a part of the body of Christ. Are you sure about that? Well, think about it, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He talks about us being members of the body together, okay? You and I are members of the body of Christ. So he's starting off right off the bat with a theological truth here. He addresses the church 
In Thessalonica, that is, in God the Father and in Jesus Christ. Okay, so we're part of the body of Christ. Okay, so listen, you'll go a long way in your spiritual life if you recognize that the church is the people. Do you understand? Not the institution. Not the building. It's the people. You've got to recognize that. Okay, here's the other thing. So he bestows a blessing. So Paul bestows the traditional blessing of grace and peace from the Father and Jesus. So grace and peace from the Father. So he's wanting that they have, and and this is what we should want in every one of our lives, that every one of us have two things. Peace and grace. You guys need peace and grace? How's your week been? Turmoil? Stress? I mean, is it wrecking havoc? You're wondering, what's the next week hold? Do you need peace and grace? Do you, do you have problems sleeping at night and it's not sleep apnea? It's your problems? Did you know what I'm saying? You need what? Grace and peace. So he's, he's praying. So this is not just simple words. He's praying literally for them to have what? Peace and grace in God the Father and Jesus Christ. Now, notice now the thanksgiving. So this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time in verses 2 through 10. Verses 2 through 10, he's going to give a thanksgiving. So notice now verses 2 to 3, he's going to give a general statement of thanks. Look at what he says. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. All right, so what is he going to do here? So first of all, Paul expresses that he continually prayed and gave thanks to God for the Thessalonians. All right, stop. You know, we've been talking about prayer in the morning message. We're going to have our final message today. You know what? But you know, just one series is not enough. We have to continually learn about prayer. Right off the bat, here's what we're going to see about prayer that is communicated in the New Testament. Paul says in this letter, to be honest with you, he says it basically in every letter, I pray for you always. So the question i got to ask myself is, okay, George, you're a part of the body of Christ here. You're a part of you're a member of the of the body of the church family here. Are you praying for them every day? Are they are you praying for them? Did you understand what I'm saying? Are you praying for them? So so think about it. Are you know it's easy to pray for our family, right? Should be praying for your family, hopefully, okay? But are you praying for the people around you who are your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you know what I'm saying? He was praying continually for them. Now, let me just stop for a moment. This is a significant thing because Paul's not there. He was there. He's actually writing from Corinth. And in between Thessalonica and Corinth, he's helped establish some other churches. And the, the thing I do when I read the letters is, is he's praying for all of them. Do you think he takes serious the people who are around them and where they're at in Jesus, because he's what? Praying for them, okay? 
He's praying for them. He's, he makes mention of them always. And he give, gives thanks for them. He gives thanks for them. Let's go on. He prayed for them. As he prayed for them, he remembered their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience. Here's three things that he remembered when he gave thanks for them. He remembered their work of faith. That is what they did because of their faith. See, your faith is always going to exhibit something. What you believe about Jesus is going to guide you in what you do for him. So he was always thankful because their faith, they were always doing something. Not just the, what they were doing for him out of faith. He was thankful for their labor of love. What does that mean? Well, when they reached out towards others, they did it because they loved others. They loved other people. Listen, the most important testimony that we have before unsaved people is our love for each other. By this shall they know that you are my disciples, Jesus said. By what? By your love for one another. That you genuinely care for each other. That you're there for each other. That's, that's the greatest testimony, okay? The greatest testimony. And, and let's be honest. As our culture keeps going the way our culture is going, it's kind of like a, the jungle out there, isn't it? A dog-eat-dog, you know, what we're talking about here, what Paul's talking about here, about being concerned and laboring out of love for each other, that's going to stand in contrast to a lot of things around us, isn't it? Because everybody's out just for themselves. And then patience. Now, that's one really what we should have, right? Patience. Patience with what? Here it's talking about patience with the stuff that you go through. Not just patience with the stuff that you go through, but also patience with what? People. Okay? So let me ask, do people pluck your nerves? Do people pluck your nerves? Yeah? Okay? And it's not always the same people, right? Okay? So he's thankful that they're expressing their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience. Let's go on now. Here's what he's thankful for. Verses 4 through 10, he's going to... He's going to basically list the things that he's thankful for. Number one, what he's thankful for is their salvation or their election. Paul expresses that he knows that they have experienced salvation. He knows that they have experienced salvation. So he's writing these believers because he was there. He saw them. That he saw this church come together. Now, the phrase election or chosen by God, refers to their salvation here. That's what he's talking about here. When he talks about election in this passage, he's talking about their salvation. Okay, so let me just stop for a moment. Some of you may have a hard time with this phrase, but this is a biblical phrase with reference to you. Okay? Here's how the Bible describes you. It's not just Paul who says that, but there are others who say, Jesus even said this. And you are described in the Bible as, okay, the elect. What does that reflect? It means you're saved. God saved you. You're the elect. You were chosen by him. Now, we won't get into all the details of what that means, but that is a description of you. So when you read in the Bible, when it talks about the elect, it's talking about Christians. It's talking about the saved. Okay? 
Do you understand what I'm saying? He's talking about the saved. So here he's, the phrase election or chosen God refers to their salvation. He's also going to now, he's thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit in their midst. Look at verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So look now. He expressed that the gospel was revealed to them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want everybody to understand. I want you to think back to the time that you made that commitment to follow Jesus Christ, where you went to him by faith and you got saved. I want you to understand it was not your brain power that gave you an understanding of the gospel. You're not that special. Okay? Because other people can look at it, and you know this, other people can look at the same thing or hear the same message and not see it, right? You guys know that, right? Other people can hear the same message, read the same gospel, and not see it at all, right? And here's what I'm going to say. So, boy, I must be special. No, 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 you're not special. The only reason why you saw it is because God's Holy Spirit opened your eyes to see it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And in fact, here's what, here's what I want you to see. If you go to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says our gospel is not veiled, so it's not, not veiled to the people around us, but the God of this age, who's the God of this age? Satan has what? Blinded the eyes so that they can't see it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So here's how I pray. God, take the scales off our eyes. Help her to see the truth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Help her to see the truth. Grant them repentance. That's another phrase in the, in the New Testament. Grant her repentance. Did you understand what I'm saying? So he expresses that the gospel was revealed to them through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not about you folks. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit. The gospel was presented to them with a deep conviction considering Paul's testimony. Paul's saying, look, you saw how we were and how, basically they were saying, you witnessed, he, he's saying here, you witnessed my life among you and you saw that I took this serious. Okay, stop for a moment. So when you're sharing with people about Jesus, do they see you're serious about it? Like, does it really move you that you have Christ and they don't? So Paul's saying that to them. You saw that when we presented the gospel, we presented it to you with deep conviction because you saw our lives, how we were about it with you. We were genuinely concerned. He goes on now and he talks about, he's thankful for their response to the gospel. They became followers of Jesus Christ with great joy in the Holy Spirit. They became followers with joy. Do you understand? It should be a joyous thing when you come to Jesus. Do you understand? When you realize your sins are forgiven, you have, you have him now, and you have a, an eternal home with him. But yet they also experienced persecution and suffering as they became the followers of Jesus. Folks, here's the reality. Coming to Christ should be an exciting thing, but nobody, not everybody's going to accept that. Do you understand what I mean by that? 
not everybody's going to accept you coming to Jesus. In fact, it's getting like I just had a conversation with one of the gentlemen in our, a gentleman in our church this last week, and he was saying, you know, it used to be, he can remember when you would get with groups of people and, and you could talk about church things and people might join in. He said, now you mention church, everybody gets quiet. And they don't really want to talk about it. You know what I'm talking Have you had that experience? Yeah, because people, you know, if you understand, times are changing. So he's saying to the Thessalonians, I'm thankful that you came to Christ and yet you experienced Christ. You experienced persecution and suffering because you were followers of us. Here's the other thing he's, he's, he's thankful for is their example. The testimony of their faith spread throughout the region and serves as an example. The testimony of that church, of those body of believers, spread throughout the entire area because they gave an example of what it means to believe in Jesus. Stop for a moment. When I read this, I get convicted. Because, you know, we have a little saying here, we're the best kept secret in town. That ain't a good thing. What we need to be known for, we've already talked about one of those things earlier is what? By this shall they know that you are my disciples, by your what? Love for one another. The other thing that we need to be known for that we see here from from the Thessalonian church is they're known for their what? Faith. And it says here in the passage how they turned away from idols to follow who? Jesus. They were known for following Christ. You know, that should be our prayer request for our church, shouldn't it? That we would have that kind of a testimony in the community. He was thankful for their testimony. Let's go on. He stated that others reported the manner of ministry he had among them. In fact, it wasn't just that he heard about the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians were talking about how great Paul was among them. They were, they were spreading how, how wonderful Paul had been. And he was in other areas. Oh yeah, we heard about you and what you did among the Thessalonians. He was thankful for them. Here's the other thing, their testimony. He was told how the Thessalonian Christians turned from their idols to the true God. You say, that's really great, George, but we don't have idols today. Well, you don't have things that you bow down to that are carved out of image and gold and jewels, but you've got your idols. You have the things that you worship. Okay, so like for some people, it's this. Oh, no, it's not. Try to go a week without it. Better yet, try to go half a day. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like I heard somebody, I just read, I think I read something about a guy, or I think I saw a video clip of a guy who was hiring And he said, yeah, I had this guy come in. I'm interviewing him, and his phone rang. And he answered his phone while I'm interviewing him for the job. Needless to say, I didn't hire him. So did you know what I'm saying? So we have our idols. You know, I I make fun of the phone. It might be my idol too, okay? But we have our idols. It could be your hobby. It could be your work. It could be your kids. Your kids could be your idol. Yeah. Yeah. It could be. 
You have to ask that question. Do you know what I'm saying? He said that they, they had a testimony of turning from their idols, idols to worshiping the true God. And then he also, he was also told that they were waiting for the coming of the Son from heaven. This is their other testimony. They had an expectation of Jesus coming back. Do we have that expectation? You gotta ask that question for yourself and as a church. Do we have that expectation? Because he is coming back. 